You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. At a young age, Alicia Prince knew the importance of balancing schoolwork with her social life. Because in addition to studying, she enjoyed spending time with family and friends, playing sports and even working at a takeaway food outlet and as a paintball referee. Through these experiences, she discovered a zest for life, which later led to an interest in travelling and to her decision to take up a degree in engineering. In this episode, Alicia walks us through her high school and university experiences and explains how these moments allowed her to pursue a career in engineering. Alicia, thank you very much for sitting down and having a chat with me. It's a pleasure to join you today, Luke. Let's go back to high school. Where did you go? I went to high school in Bendigo, uh, what was back then known as Catholic College Bendigo. Grew up in a in the town of Castlemaine, which was about half an hour away, and, and travelled each day up to school. How was that? How was life as a, as a school kid in the country? I enjoyed school. I loved living in the country. I played a lot of sport as well. I worked part-time jobs. Life was pretty busy, but it was also pretty fun. Where were you working? I had a few different jobs. I worked in a takeaway food shop. I was a basketball referee. I even did a little bit of paintball refereeing at one point as well. So uh, a, a couple of, there was a couple of things that kept me busy and kept life interesting. So how did you find time to actually study on top of all of that? I even studied on the bus at times. That was a good hours round trip, so you would have had a bit of time. That's right. And I probably used my time productively when I was studying. I took those opportunities and, you know, when I got home, I probably hit the study pretty hard, but I also did it quite often late at night. I was a bit of a bit of a night owl and I still am a night owl. Can I read between the lines here and, and suggest that you were a, a good student? I was a reasonable student, yeah. I'd definitely say that I probably would have performed better if I had have spent more time studying. But for me, it was really important that I did those other things. I did other things that I loved. You know, I loved playing sport on the weekend. I loved playing Having, to, having time with my friends and, and I worked. So I think that school is about finding that right balance and prioritising what you do and understanding that that might actually have an, an impact on, on the grades that you get. Talk to me about that because you've just mentioned that you would study on your way to and from school, so it's about an hour each day. You were a night owl, so you'd study at night as well. You would obviously be in classrooms during the the normal 9 till 3.30 class time as well. How much more study could you have done? I was also a crammer, I guess, you know, so... The probably a lot of those really late nights were around getting assignments done and when exams were coming up. Um, I loved exams over doing assignments because I think I was pretty effective at that last minute study. And that was, you know, at the end of the day, that's what worked. That's what worked for me. That's what fit into the life that, that I led as a high school student. You obviously had your other activities like your coaching and, and whatever else there through the paintball and, and whatnot. Uh, what are some of the lessons you were learning there that were applicable to your study? I was learning to be organised and I was learning to relate to people and how to work with people. I learned a lot of lessons about engaging with people. I think I learned a lot about grit and resilience as well because I didn't always 
deal with easy people, um, particularly some of the jobs when I, that I had when I was at university as well. I found there was some really challenging roles that I had and some of the biggest challenges in my career have not always been technical. Quite often they've been interpersonal. And, and what it highlights is that even in what we consider to be technical roles, having those interpersonal skills is just so important. Do you think that's uh, the most important soft skill that someone can have is just the ability to be able to communicate and understand what someone is saying to them? I think it's up there and having empathy and being able to understand somebody else's point of view, being able to work with them, being able to compromise and recognising that we're different, we have different opinions uh, and sometimes you've got to work through what a resolution to that looks like. So if we go back to the time when you were studying or also working, what would be the breakup there of learning those skills? Was it more 100% with the work and uh, not so much with school or can you, you put a percentage either way? I think it's a bit of, a, a bit of both. I, I mean, you learn about relationships through all of those engagements that you have with people. So not just through the extracurricular or the work activities that you undertake, but also through the engagements and interactions that you have with your friends, with your teachers and with your family as well. Now, you mentioned that you could have studied harder. I look at your situation and think, well, I couldn't have. I couldn't have done that. So you must have been pretty driven towards achieving something. Did you know from a very early age what you wanted to go on and do in life? I had no idea. I had no idea what I was setting myself out to achieve. I didn't know what I was going to study. I was encouraged by my family to go to university and that's about as far as my ambition went when I was at school because I didn't know enough about careers and professions to have any idea what I wanted to do. So there was no one there from the school talking to you about career pathways? We had careers advisors, but I just don't think anything resonated. One of the most impactful conversations that I had was with my physics teacher and I was going to study science and I was going to study science simply because I was relatively good at science. And then I was going to do a double degree. And I was, so I thought engineering is like science. So I'll study science and engineering. And he actually said to me, well, if you're going to study engineering, you should really think about studying commerce at the same time. And that was probably the best piece of advice that I received. In the end, I dropped the science and I studied a combined engineering and commerce degree and they are a great complement to each other. Why do you look back on that piece of advice and just think that it was so valuable to you later on in life? My career would have been different if it wasn't for that piece of advice. If it wasn't for that, I would have gone and studied science and I don't think it would have been as good a fit for me. Engineering was a really good fit and it really suited me. Applying the science through engineering was more suited to me and it probably drew on my skills in a, in a more useful way. So once you found out that information and, and it resonated with you, how did you tailor your education in order to get into university to study engineering? I'd always chosen my subjects on keeping my options open. So it was probably kind of the reverse. I didn't know what I wanted to study, so I made sure that I studied advanced maths and physics because that would keep my options open. I guess in many ways you just applied a, a generalist approach and uh, we're going to see what happens next. 
Exactly. That's what I was doing. So what did happen next? So I did apply to study engineering and commerce. I was accepted to study those at Melbourne University. I moved to Melbourne in the year following the completion of VCE and I lived on campus at the University of Melbourne. That was a really useful transition to city life and it meant that I automatically had friends and a, and a support network for that transition. But didn't go according to plan eventually? It didn't really go according to plan because I still wasn't sure that I wanted to be an engineer. It wasn't until I had about three years of university under my belt. I had a five-year degree, so I still had two years remaining. I still wasn't sure that I wanted to be an engineer. I decided that I'd take a year off. And I always intended that I'd finish the degree, but I wasn't sure that I would actually ever become an engineer. Why was that? If, if this is something that you, you, one of your year 12 teachers was saying, hey, this is a really good option for you, you've gone into university, you've obviously got the grades for it, so you would then naturally assume there's the skill set for it too. Where did it break down? Why, why through that early part of your university were you thinking, maybe it's not for me? I just hadn't connected with it at that point. I don't think I appreciated the impact that engineering could have on lives and on people and on communities. And it was through learning that that I really became inspired to become an engineer. And how did that happen? During the gap year that I took, I spent some time, I spent a year overseas traveling and I found myself spending three months in Mongolia in some fairly remote communities. And I lived in this little town of about a thousand people. It was called Sandalgear and that, community was so disconnected from infrastructure and all the things that we take for granted in our lives. We had massive transmission power lines running overhead and we were lucky if we had a couple of hours power a day. We had to walk to the well to collect our water. There was no sanitation. The roads were, were dirt tracks um, and this community was 200 kilometres from the capital, which is really not that remote, but it was, and it was so disconnected and it was a poor community. And you start to see that infrastructure is such an enabler. And I realised that through engineering that I could actually contribute to making people's lives better. We're going to talk about that in a moment. What I want to know first, though, is, I mean, when you think of a gap year for most university students, you think US, how does one end up in Mongolia? I came across an organisation called Rally International and I was introduced to them through the Duke of Edinburgh Award, which I had participated in whilst I was at, at school. So it was an organisation that undertook youth development and there was about 150 young people, mostly from the UK, who were there overseas. But back then it was really hard to find volunteer opportunities. And it's probably why I became so passionate about Engineers Without Borders as an organisation. Yeah, right. Okay. So you're in the middle of this town, which I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name. I'll leave that one to you. What did you look at and how did you think you could improve their lives here? How did you think you could work with them or what could, you, what could your legacy be? And how did you start working away at that? In that instance, we were actually building a hospital for the community. The community had an abandoned hospital and and that's what we were we were doing we were using sustainable technology 
it was really interesting because I was the closest thing to an engineer on site. So when we were pouring concrete and we were mixing concrete and when we were making decisions about the, how the structure was, was going up, we had an architect on site and we had a carpenter on site um, and we had me and we were, we were like the technical experts and the, and, and the people with the know-how even, even though I wasn't yet finished my, my degree. But I, I think it's just that understanding that that impact, not through just projects like that, but understanding that engineers design and build the power systems, the water systems, the sewerage systems, the, the roads and bridges and all of those things that were lacking in this community. How did you bring all of those skill sets together to work as a, a unified team? Engineering, it is really multidisciplinary. So whilst you go into your engineering degree and, and you, and you specialise, my specialisation is as a civil engineer. Civil engineers work with electrical engineers and mechanical engineers and chemical engineers and, and the types of engineers that get drawn into the project will depend on the project itself. So for me, with a background in water engineering and designing water infrastructure, we'll have process engineers who decide, design what the process looks like. Obviously, you need electrical input into the project, so you'll have electrical engineers who will design all that. The civil engineers are often the ones who might be doing the build but designing the, the structures or the pipelines or you know, the physical stuff and the mechanical mechanical engineers would be looking after, you know, pumps and all the stuff that has moving parts. I remember at university I had a lot of friends who were across the different disciplines and we used to always argue about whose discipline is, is more important. But at the end of the day, the, the disciplines have to come together to um, to work collaboratively on um, on engineering solutions. How long did it take to finish the, the hospital project? That was a pretty rapid fire project. It was undertaken in about three months. So I was there on the on the initial phase and spent about three weeks on that particular project before before moving on to the onto the next the next part. What was that next step for you? After that project I was really enthusiastic about my engineering degree. I came back and I really threw myself into the last couple of years. What I saw as a result of that was that my grades were much better. Um, I graduated with honours. Um, if it hadn't have been for that trip, I, I probably wouldn't have been so enthusiastic. But I also knew that my path was set as an engineer. I still didn't know exactly what that looked like or what sector I was going to go into, but I was committed that I was going to be an engineer. So you think that that experience there gave you the motivation, the drive, the purpose behind uh, a career in engineering, but also a focus on giving back? It did. For me, it connected engineering with the world. It connected engineering with people. And I think that's what I was looking for. I was looking for some kind of, of connection and that and that project provided that. So you, you finished your degree, uh, you got a job and happy days from there? Not quite. I loved travelling. And I wasn't quite ready to give it up when I finished. So I did take another, probably about another 15 months off and I went traveling again. I was passionate about skiing. So I went to the US and in total, I ended up doing four winters in US ski resorts. But at the end of that, I really bottomed out that travel bug. And by the time I came back, uh, I was 
25 by the time I came back to Australia and I was well and truly ready to start professional work. I'd done a little bit of engineering work while I was overseas. Um, I'd worked for a construction company in Brazil, which was interesting when everybody spoke Portuguese and I spoke a very small amount of Spanish. I was 25 when I commenced my first professional role in engineering in Victoria. What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, there seems to be a lot of pressure on students at high school to know exactly what they want to do for the rest of their lives by the time they turn 18, so they can then go and get a degree straight after high school to then get into a career. Do you think that's fair? I don't think it is. I think we're expecting too much of people too early. I certainly am an example of that. And, and because I didn't feel like I rushed into it, I felt like I made the right choice. I also found that my employers valued the life experience that I had. So I think that there's there's a fine line between being a fresh graduate and using those skills. You don't want it to be seen that your skills have gotten old by taking too much time off on the completion of your degree. But on the other hand, employers can value the fact that you've made a really conscious choice about studying, that you're there because you want to be, that your career path has taken you to that point rather than just external expectations pushing you along down pathway. How did you identify that your employers valued the life experience that you had? I was told that in my very first interview. (laughs) Okay, yeah, pretty straightforward then. (laughs) Yeah, it was. My first job interview was through my connections and through my network, and networks are really important. When I came back to Australia, I contacted a whole lot of my uni mates, not, not because I was necessarily looking for a job, but just to let them know I was back. And one of my friends told me that the company he worked for was was hiring. And so they got me in, in for an interview uh, and that became my first job. Yeah, wonderful. We're going to talk about your career in our second episode, but just rounding out uh, university, what's some advice for students who would be in a similar position to what you went through and what I went through as well, that they're not sure where they want to go, but they're feeling a lot of pressure from the education system, probably from their parents, from their friends who are they're, they're seeing their friends go off into things that they enjoy. But what do you say to those ones who just not sure of the way forward? I'd say do your research. Learn about the career options that are available. Understand yourself and understand what you're passionate about and then go and find out how that passion can equate to a career Podcasts like this are so good to give students exposure as to what the different careers are about. It also helps for those who can't necessarily find someone to speak to. But if you know someone, your parents, friends, or you know perhaps you've got siblings or other people in your network that are already at university, talk to as many people as you can and explore those different options and and research what's available online as well. You found your passion while volunteering. I imagine that's a a pretty good way to go about it. What are some ideas or some suggestions, perhaps maybe even options for engineering students to to go out and get themselves involved in a voluntary organisation? If you're an engineer, Engineers Without Borders provides plenty of opportunities for students to get involved. 
So I'd really encourage engineering students to to make that connection and check out what's available through Engineers Without Borders. Is that just a matter of a, a phone call to the, the organisation or jumping on the website to see what's there? I'd say jump on the website, have a look and make a connection with your local chapter. Most of the universities have a chapter within the university themselves and Engineers Without Borders also runs a challenge in quite a number of universities. So that's a great way to get an introduction to Engineers Without Borders, but also to understanding and appreciating the impact of engineers in communities. Hindsight is a wonderful thing, but it doesn't change anything. But if you were to look back on your education, is there anything you would change? If I could change anything about my education and my career, I would connect my younger self with the impact of engineering far earlier. If I had have understood the impact of engineering and the importance of engineering for community and societies, I think I would have worked harder in those first, those first three years. As your elevator pitch, you got 30 seconds, you tell me why engineering is important to our lives. It impacts on so many aspects of life and it improves our lives for the better. So whether it's the technology in a smartphone, whether it's the roads that get you to and fro or the car that takes you somewhere, whether it's water infrastructure or building resilient infrastructure in the face of climate change, engineers make an impact on people's lives and they do this for the better. Very well said, Alicia. And I I totally agree with you that you need to find purpose behind what you're doing. And it's fantastic that you found that. So stay right where you are because we're going to talk about your career in our next episode. I look forward to it, Luke. Thank you. Engineering has had a lasting impact on a number of communities all over the world. And as Alicia says, it can be a driving force and motivation for students to consider a career in engineering. In time, these students will begin to see the benefits the field has to offer and slowly but surely start to create a positive change to their immediate surroundings, to the country, and perhaps even the world. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.